you don't win gold on your first go around at the gym, you know, <laughs> it's a long road to an Olympic gold medal. <laughs> and um, that's, that's where we're at. We're just beginning that journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think for me, um, I actually made more money my first year in business and then I slowed down my second year to try and catch my breath. So I hit six figures in 13 months and I hit a hundred thousand dollars. Like I think it was like January 5th last year. And so it was just one of those things. So from January, 2021 to January 5th of 2022, but I approached it the same way I had been doing startups. And when you already have the sales skills, you are so much further ahead to start getting paid because you are willing to do it messy because you know, it's a numbers game. So I had 23 clients in my first three and a half months, four months, call it. Mm -hmm. That was a crazy ride, right? Like I left corporate America because I didn't want to be uh, working the hours. And then I just looped myself into all of those hours and I was hustling. Yeah. So then I slowed down. But one of the things about Mimia is that I worked for investor groups mm -hmm. and I opened senior livings. And mm -hmm. so there's, there's a national average excuse me. And the national average of opening a new senior living is you want 40% of your place to be uh, pre-leased before you open the doors when it's a new place. And you expect about 50% of those to fall off because you're working with a senior population. So you plan to open the doors with 20% moving in immediately. I moved 67% in and then 70% in, and then 77% in. So I had really extremely high numbers, 50% above what other people were expecting, which caused its own set of problems. But when you go to different locations and you open different things, that's um, the same product, but it's in a different location, there's a different buyer. And so I learned really quickly to not sell initially and initially do some market research. Like, just tell me what you were hoping to hear. What did you want to know about the place? Lead with curiosity and let them tell me what it was going to take for them to buy. And then I would take that information back because we didn't have a building yet. We were in the construction phase and I'd say, here are the non-negotiables, right? And so even these companies with their um, market surveys and spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on market research, they didn't get it right because they didn't talk to the right people initially. And so a couple things that really helped me in starting my business was that I knew there were going to be a lot of pivots and I was ready to ebb and flow with it. Mm -hmm. And I was willing to take baby steps. So I came from making um, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to coming in and um, and saying, okay, I don't know how I'm going to help people in this new capacity. So my first offer was for three visits for or three sessions for $400. Let's see what sticks. Mm -hmm. Now going into our third year, that client is still with me. She's the renewed and she's paid the higher rates all along because I'm helping her create her. She's a financial planner, but I've helped her uh, grow her business. I've helped her have less anxiety about the growth. I've helped her let go of the clients that she can no longer serve in her own best interest and in theirs. And so it's been a wonderful ride. But along the way, I had to stop hustling because mm -hmm. I was used to hustling all those years. And that's why I was burned out in, you know, corporate America is a hustle mm -hmm. and a grind. And I was ready to let that go. I, but then I had all of those habits of hustling and grinding. Of course. So I think my story might be a little different. Some people struggle to actually make money and I was making money from my first week in right. business not a lot. And so then I had to deal with things like raising my prices every month for a little while. Like, okay, now I understand the questions I'm getting asked. So let me raise the prices. And again, I understand sales and I understand how to create the value. So I was able to do that for people and say, okay, now that I've worked with a few people, here's what I see people really needing. So I went from doing those three sessions just to get my feet wet yeah, to doing 12. Right. In this new business model. 
And yes. your clients then would be completely different from what your job was because that was a very focused niche. But now, you know, I'm curious to hear about the, the buffet of beautiful different types of people that come to you for these services, right? So it, it, it was. It was spaghetti against the wall the first year. Yes. And I knew it would be because yeah. I kept telling people, listen, if you're new in business, because I learned this in doing startups, if you're new... You have to uh, figure out who you help, how you help them, and why they should work with you. And so those three questions, you have to answer those first. And none of us know. Because if I worked for, um, if I opened $150 million projects and they didn't know the answers to those questions, and they had spent um, hundreds of thousands of dollars on market research and different things, or tens of thousands, I guess, on that, how were we going to know? We're just going to decide. It never happens that way. Who you think your ideal customer is going to be pivots. And most of the time, I would think. And one of the things in sales that I've learned over the years, I took a lot of trainings on um, the psychology of sales and I on the personalities. Mm-hmm. And everybody needs the information in their own way. And one of the biggest things that's that's in the way of most entrepreneurs or online coaches coming into this world is they want to sell the way they want to be sold. Mm-hmm. Big mistake. So it's that's not about you. Yeah, that's like love languages. So if if you're familiar with um, Gary Chapman and the five love languages, it's like there's words of affirmation, um, touch, quality time, gifts, and acts of service. And so we all want to be loved in a certain way, exactly like you said, the way that we love. So for me, it's words of affirmation and acts of service. And so in my household, if dishes don't get done, I feel like I'm not getting loved. But I've come to realize my husband, it's his is words of affirmation and quality time. And now we can relate on a much more... um, personal level that actually understands the person rather than like me, 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 right? So it changes the dynamic and it, it takes you into a, a deeper connection and a, a more like space to explore yourself and either your, your potential client or your partner or friend or whoever. Yep. 100%. Um, in sales, it's a little, you can actually classify it in a few uh, less ways. And I learned a way, um, I was taught the DISC profile, but I was taught it in 1992. And I was taught it in a way that they assign animals to it. And actually, I used it for all of these years. And I reached out to the gentleman. He's much older now. He was a college professor. His name was Charles Clark III. And he's just, he doesn't, he doesn't really have an online presence. His books are not even, I mean, you have to find them used on Amazon at this point. But I reached out to him when I started my business. I said, listen, I use bulls, owls, lambs, and tigers every single day for the last 30 years since you taught it to me. I was so young back then, but I grasped all because I was in the thick of it. And I realized how these, these different bull, these different animals or disc profile personalities um, need their information. And so what happens is many, many times the person, they tell you that your avatar is actually a former version of you. Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of is, but what I found is we don't really want to pay a former version of ourselves because we can already do those. We have the same skill set. We were in a, they were in a former place that we relate to and they might've dealt with the same limiting belief. But what we want to pull us through is the, the actual opposite of our, the complement to our personality. Mm-hmm. Right. So the two zones of genius. So where. Mm-hmm has this beautiful idea so in your corporate life the model for opening senior homes you had the expertise for the sales which they didn't so then you're you're each um becoming two halves to a greater whole with mutual benefits yeah it's it's fascinating so um in my in my coaching i really work with people to understand first who they are and then i help them understand and it's process to get you out of your own head. 
I learned it the right way from the get-go. So for me, it's kind of like I lived 30 years of my life as a chameleon. I, I literally just, you know, whoever I'm with, I became that person and I sort of sort of understood and gave them the information as they needed it. And I recognized it by the questions they asked. And so it was this way of being able to understand, oh, this is an engineer. He needs information. Logically, he doesn't care about feeling words. He wants to know, or she, there are a lot of women who think very logically, um, they need their information in a very um, organized manner, and they like um, processes. And so you have to follow a system to help them move from awareness to interest to consideration to commitment. So what happens is um, you just have to get really good at understanding what that personality type needs. Now, once you move into the digital world, that's what your testimonials are for and why you have them from four different angles. And that's why your sales page has a whole bunch of different bullet points to hit. It's the your, your help statement. You you hit all the different personality groups within a really good sales page. Yeah, but you have to you have to learn how to get there first, right? With with the different personalities. Most people say, I don't want to work. Like if you have the S is the supportive personality on the um, the disc profile. And this person is probably 80% of my clients. She is supportive and helpful. And she loves, she, she has a passion and a mission and she loves helping people. But she clams up when it comes time to talk to people about money. <laughs> is that right? And so... <laughs> I see you raising your hand. And so what happens to her is that she starts thinking, well, I don't like when people push me. I don't like when people ask me questions. I don't like. And the thing I try to say to her is listen to who's in the center of your thoughts right now. You have to get out of your own thoughts. It's not about you. It's about the person that you can help. And so, so much of my sales work that I do inside of my coaching is working with people to get them to see. And so I have a very step-by-step um, -step process and, you know, taking them through how to believe in their offer. And so there's work that I make them do. I don't do it for them. I, it's not just words. And then they have to come back to me and they still don't get it. And then I'm saying, okay, but here you told me this and you X, Y, and Z. And so we figure out what their unique selling proposition or their secret sauce, right, is based on the homework that they're doing. And then they start to believe it. And I'm just going to tell you a little story, right? When I was... I stay at home mom for a few years. I have three kids. I had them in two years, twins the second time. I was really, really busy. I didn't have a lot of time to watch TV, but Oprah would come on and I would have some time for Oprah. And I'd always think to myself, if I were Oprah, I would do it like this, or I would have asked that mm -hmm. because it always seemed like she would dance around a certain thing or she wouldn't say it just this way. And I thought if I were her, I would say that that's one of the things you need to do. If you need to look at these other people who are doing what you want to do and you, you, you have to have a spectrum. You don't go just to the gurus who have already made it and they're already all the way there because they're too far ahead of you. Absolutely. You have to start with some people that are right where you are a little bit ahead and then all the way ahead, all the way there. And you have to analyze them and you have to say to yourself, well, I like that, but I would do it this way. Ooh, I don't like that because... And you start to create your unique selling position through that. And so that's step one of what I do to help people overcome some of the blocks. Because the blocks that they have are they don't want to sell, right? They I brought some of, I think it was in one of your submissions or um, while I was browsing your Instagram. And I have a couple of questions about one of the things I saw on your Instagram that was wonderful. Um, but um, in... In, oh, in getting out of your own way, you were talking about sales and you were talking about how sales is everything. And, you know, I've posted a few times, like, because I'm trying to drive that that point home too in my audience of startups, that if you're going to be open for business, be freaking open for business, right? Like mm -hmm. you pull up to a McDonald's or a Reitman's or a Marshall's, like you want to go shopping, the doors need to be open and you need to have at least something on the shelf that somebody can buy. And 
this this is part of you know cracking the shell um in in the beginnings and and at all different levels of growth through the entrepreneurial journey but it's so important at the beginning to get comfortable with it's so cliche being uncomfortable um but being damn proud of what you have because if it's burning in you then there are people who want it and so the sooner you can own that lock that in sit in that and then like you said just throw spaghetti at the wall until things start to come back um it is a, a bit of a mind game and one that you need to spend time on or just do it anyway you know to get out of the way and and i feel sometimes like i'm trying to pull a jet plane and like where is the momentum and i get a little bit and it falters and i get a, and it falters but again to lean on like a fitness metaphor the journey of losing 100 pounds starts with one step and and i witnessed a person do that and their first step was just like walking around the block and then just pushing off of a telephone pole you know that's how how they started and they had a coach they had somebody there to support them a personal trainer but they had to go through it cuz nobody else can do it for you as much as we have coaches and mentors and programs nobody else can lose the weight for you but you and nobody else can make the money for you even if you hire out a salesperson like they need to know what your messaging is what you're selling what what is your unique selling proposition what makes you what is your secret sauce and why should somebody buy from you and if you haven't figured that out yet it's still okay that's what your first years in business are all about and that's where people would think that well they need to either figure it all out first or they just have you know we know it as imposter syndrome these are all words that i think are hilarious because i never ever heard these words before in my life. I'm like, okay, I understand it because I, I trained salespeople. And so, um, really nice people, teachers, for example, who go, they have this business idea, right? They love educating people. They love putting a process. They love stepping you through it, but where they get like, like I can't find my voice is when they say, this is how much it costs or, well, I'll email you how much it costs. They like to email you. I had a, a client once and she was like um, starting an HR firm um, in the, she was doing leadership coaching and she had wonderful information to share. We could talk all day about the DISC profile, but she wanted to email everyone her offer and never make a phone call. Well, I don't like, I don't like phone calls because um, they're very interruptive. And I remember when I was in that field, I really bothered me to get a phone call. And I said, well, again, who are we making this all about? Yeah. So like, does the Ritz Carlton in downtown New York give a flying hoot about how much it costs to stay there for a night? You think of their $2 or $10 offer? No. Yeah. No, 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 we are not what our pricing is. We are not valued or worthy or less worthy based on our pricing. So based on this, I'm so excited because money isn't often talked about in a more candid way. And people mm -hmm. oh, six, seven figures did it. Like, what does that even mean? And so I would love to, you know, continue to evolve the conversation as to like, what are you charging? I don't care what your offer is. What are the numbers? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, like I said, I started $400 just because that was my first client. And I said, let me just see, like, I just stood up at a networking meeting and I said, um, I've left my job. They knew me from the, the previous position. And I said, and I'm hanging my shingle out to help other people meet their sales goals. I didn't yeah. even know. I said, I'm just going to do sales is my life. I've been doing it for so many years. It's the way I got my kids to eat green beans. It's the way my husband thinks everything is his idea when we go on vacation. And so now I'm just, I know I'm good at that. So let me, let me figure out how to help other people do it. And I've been training people for a long time. So it was good. Um, so I said that and somebody saw me after. And what I said was at that meeting, I said, I'm really good at helping people have the hard conversations. So if I can help some of you who are growing your sales and you have a stumbling block in the conversation that you want to say, you know, it needs said, but you haven't said it yet. Let me help you. And so after that meeting, a financial planner came up to me and she said, 
I, I want your help. There's a couple things that I'm not saying, and I bet you could help me. And because I had helped the senior population, and that's a big part of who she serves, you know, older people, she was, she was drawn in. And so she came to see me and we sat down and we did in three sessions, we kicked out one quick mini goal. And she said, okay, we're going to do this. So she signed up for a year. I didn't even know what to charge her yet for a year. So I, that was a year long, fairly, right? Yeah. So I hadn't even gotten there yet. So in the meantime, I'd signed up several other people in saying from same different networking groups type thing and a couple of online people. And so that I'd met in Facebook groups. And so I was like 12 weeks, we'll do 12 weeks. Hmm. So I did 12 weeks for $1,200. Right. Okay. Right. hundred bucks a week. Let me see what I've got here. So at the end of March in 2021, I went to, I said, oh, this, I'm giving this farm away way too much. We're going to go for, I, I realized two things because I do follow my own advice. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to give them exactly what they needed. And I want you to hear that because all of us need to realize um, there are two personality types, the D and the I, and they make really quick decisions. We, I would call them the bull and the tiger in my training mm-hmm. that I borrowed from Charles Clark III. Um, but the bull and the tiger, they make really quick decisions. The bull feels like I'm so confident, get to the bottom line, tell me how much it costs, tell me how much time it's going to take, and I'll make a decision. The I is all about, oh, won't I look good in that? And, ooh, I bet other people will think I look really good in that. They're ego-driven and they're feelings-driven. So they make this. They might drive the little sports cars, the little convertibles, and they love things that, that high-ego things, right? So they, they carry the good purse and they, they just appreciate they appreciate all of the things that make them feel good or whatever. So those two people make your, your quick decisions. And then you have your C, which is your owl. And then you have your steady, which is your S. And those two need, the S is your, your, there's a Ted talk about this and they call it, um, innovators, early adopters, late adopters, and laggards. Your C is your laggard. Your C is the analytical one, the owl who has to have all the information and everything lining up. And slow. And sometimes it might be slow. slow to and the S's, the S's will only go after somebody else is already gone and they see that they've had that wonderful experience and they feel super safe. And now I can make the decision because so-and-so said it would be a good thing to do and, you know, all of that. But the... Um, the, the thing about that is when you're building your business, you, all of the personality types are valuable. But when you're building your business, you kind of want to um, attract those D's and I's because those are going to be the quick things to help you make the money, right? Ready for and what? so, yeah, so you want to get to those D's and I's. If you're an S, mm-hmm. the D is a person who always hurts your feelings. You don't like them. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're like, but I don't want to work with a D because they're always cutting me off when I'm talking. And but they need you. You're the compliment to them. But you can't gain their respect if you haven't stepped into your authority and your leadership. And so that's the other thing. I have a quote on my Facebook page, and it just says that selling is enthusiastic problem-solving leadership. Mm-hmm. That's my own quote. That's what it is. You have to be, you have to be a leader. You have to say, I I can help you. There are words out there that if you're saying these, when you're starting up, you are making the biggest mistakes. Don't say, I'd like to, I'm trying to, I might. Those are going to be killers because you can't build authority with the people that need to trust you to move forward. Right. And you hear it all the time. Well, what I'd really want to do is. No, I am doing. If you we never, I mean, I probably could. Um, so just call me, and um, like I'll see what I can do. You know, and and that's part of uh, learning to walk, right? So it, my other favorite analogy is um, babies. So we don't expect babies to come out ready to ride and and fly planes and stuff like that, um, but we do encourage them when they are demonstrating progress on any of their development skills. And so reminding ourselves to be kind that way, but also tuned in with awareness of where too much of our adult conditioning is fogging that up 
and trying mm-hmm. to find ways to clear that out. So, you know, you were corporate, but you ran businesses back at the beginning. You and your husband were in real estate, and then you have this Minnie Mouse airline stewardess uniform. But <laughs> so what is that for? That is such a gorgeous photo. Like, I love that timestamp of, you know, who we've been to where we are. But I couldn't figure out where... Uh, or what job that tied into. So, you know, for you starting this business now, coming with strong confidence, proven track record, experience in business before, did you experience any of the startup shit that bubbles and messes with the head, um, you know, a year and a few days ago when you opened the doors for Yvonne Sales Coach? Yeah, well, what happened was I... I honestly do frame almost everything to the positive. It's just the way that my brain works. And it's, it's 30 years of training that way. This way. But I will say that um, where I shied away is so in, we have different opportunities. So the online world was tougher for me to break into. I, I did get, um, a fair percentage of my clients from there, probably 40% and 60% from um, in-person networking. The in-person networking is so easy for me, right? I can stand up and I have a great energy and I'm a great problem solver and I can listen to what's being said and I can create something on the fly. And I can say, if you're looking for a way to um, crush your sales goals, I help you master your sales conversations and you can see me after and I'll give you my top 10 tips. And people come flocking to me after a meeting and say, oh, yeah, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. And so I'm attracting them. I know how to do that. But I couldn't figure out how to do it online. For whatever reason, I was starting to get like a throat chakra block. And I was like, but why? And so I think when it came down to it, what I was really dealing with was um, I hadn't replaced my income in my head yet. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get really, I'm going to get really serious with you here for a minute because there's a couple of things that go into this. Um, I'm going to give you a little background, then I'll pull you back into my business. So my background is that I grew up with um, a single dad. I was the oldest daughter and I raised from the time I was 11 till I was 18, my sisters. So assertive, bossy, uh, oldest child, you know. Everything was thrown on me and I'm used to taking whatever's thrown at me and making stuff work out. So I think that that really worked out to my advantage later on in my life because, you know, I just figure things out. That's what I had to do as an 11 year old girl. Um, pardon me. Um, there were three sisters and a brother and they were four, three, two and six months when my mother or when my stepmother left. So. Um, I taught, I had to potty train. Um, my brother had had a cleft palate. I, he was, um, she left right after he had surgery for his cleft palate. His arms were tied down to his uh, diaper so he could never put his hands towards his mouth. I mean, talk about initiation by fire as, you know, for a little girl learning to take care of other people. Um, so from potty training to their periods, I did it. And it was not an easy thing, you know, but, um, but it prepared me. You know, I mean, you were barely just out of diapers at that point. 11 years old. Yeah. So I had um, an upbringing that prepared me to take charge. And so that was a good, that was a good thing. Um, Also, I excelled in school because I loved school, right? I loved school because school was where I I got to be a kid and home was where I Dishes and diapers and all kinds of things that no 11-year-old should be worried about. So I loved school. I excelled at school. I did really well. And I learned really early that that made my dad happy. And so when I did really well in school, I mean, he he would copy my report cards and mail them to my grandparents and say, look at Yvonne, look at this, right? This comes into play in my business because I got into sales. It's a wonderful story. If anybody's interested, they can catch my first episode of my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's master or it's called um, the sales conversation coach. And it's a wonderful story of how I, got, I fell into real estate. And what happened was the, it changed the trajectory of my entire life. It's a really amazing story. But again, I got addicted to the highs of doing good things. Right. 
And those are accolades. I never cared about the money. It's so funny how the money just came flying in at me. And it was never the object of my affection. The object of my affection was taking somebody who came to me and said, this is what I want. And can, can you help me figure it out? And I'd say, yes, let's do this and take that problem. And Oh yes, we have a solution right here. What do you think of this? And here's how you can make it happen and educate them all the way through the process of how to buy it and what it takes to qualify and all of these things. And so those, th what I didn't realize is what a hit I was getting from being able to sell. And, you know, it just became almost my drug of choice, I would say, since I never drank or did drugs back then, you know. Um, not, not that I'm doing them now, but I do drink. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, um, I, I just, it was just so fortunate that I got into that. And so I was recruited for most of my jobs in my life. I have, I had one period that my husband moved us to DC that went really badly. But, um, and, and I ended up taking an internship somewhere for $15 an hour just to get in the door with a company. And that's a great story too, because on my second or third day at that job, um, that I was willing to take just to get in, break into this senior living world, okay. the, I, I go to have lunch and I see a woman in there and I say, hi, I'm Yvonne and I'm interning. And how long have you been with the company? And she says, oh, it seems like forever. And I said, oh, great. That's really good news because if somebody's been here a long time, they must really treat you well. And she looks at me very surprised and she says, hmm, where are you from, Yvonne? And I said, the good old Midwest, Ohio. How about you? And she said, well, I'm from right here in Virginia. And I said, well, it's really nice to meet you. I didn't get your name. I'm Yvonne again. And she said, Leslie. And I said, well, it's so nice to meet you, Leslie. And I talked her up for a few more minutes. And then I went back after lunch and I had a demand for my resume because she was the founder and CEO of the company. And she sent an email to human resources and marketing and said, I have never been disarmed so fast. Mm. And I, where I couldn't get out of it, this person needs to be on our sales team and we need to find a spot for her. And so I went from, I took a job yep. because I was an unknown entity in the Washington DC market yep. and ended up overcoming it. But that's why I say sales to me is everything. Do you like your 30-ish year career with that company? No, no, that's not where I ended. I ended up getting recruited to go and do startups from there. So I ended up working um, with a lot of investor groups and um, and one particular managing agent. But anyway, it's funny how life can do. And it was just those same sales skills that I'd honed, you know, 15 years prior to that, that I brought to the, that role that I use in my everyday life. I mean, I really believe in learning to communicate effectively because it just makes a difference. I have an aerospace engineer as a child and he's gotten three raises in his first year out of um, college. And I know it's because he can communicate. Mm -hmm. He's, he's got the engineer brain, but he has mom enough in there. He's been at the side of me all these years. He knows how to communicate and he's thankful for that because not everybody communicates well, but he does. So he, and that's being able to, as you mentioned earlier, to be a chameleon and be yes. very grounded in who you are and what you stand for, but not to the point where you're unmovable, right? No, so no. staying curious, asking questions, really listening, and in the meantime, kind of running analysis in the back of your mind to try and... Um, and I, I don't want to sound awful or categorize, but try to really understand the other person's perspective and personality traits so that you can relate more meaningfully. Mm -hmm. And then that's beneficial to you as much as it is to them, whether or not it leads to something. And so, yes, right. So you've talked about like the spaghetti on the wall, taking this job just to take something. And if we don't just try things, we don't know what opportunities will come our way and yeah. opening like life is an experiment. So have as many as possible. Right. And yeah. just do different things until you, and then they accumulate to be more and more. They all are, you know, small pieces of the puzzle that add up together. And there's, yeah especially in like year one, year two of, of launching your own business, 
Don't expect to be perfect. Don't expect to have it all figured out, but keep trying different things without going down the rabbit holes of shiny objects. Although I feel like that's part of the rites of passage too. In yeah, somewhat is. Yeah. Right? You have to, you have to pick one thing and yeah. get really clear. And, and this is what I'd say to my uh, clients. Listen, let's get really clear, but give me, Give me at the minimum of 90 days to go all in on this. Six months is ideal so that we can learn everything we need to learn about. We'll learn what you like about it, what you don't like about it. I already knew, like I turned away clients my first year because I didn't, I needed the money because this is where we're going to come back into some of the story that you wanted to hear about. Um, a couple of things. Let me finish the thought there. Things you're going to learn who you help best. By yeah. helping enough people. If you don't help enough people, if you 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 kind of limit yourself. And there's more people out there that you can help if you're willing to get a like you said earlier, a little uncomfortable because they might be a personality that really needs you, but you have to learn how to communicate with them. But anyway, yes, so there's a lot that can go on with that. But what happened to me was I did well in school. That got me really well. I had the dad situation where I was helping raise these kids. That taught me to be really assertive and problem solving to take the world head on. And then um, in my sales career, I was always, and, and I don't say this to brag, but I was always in the top of my companies, always, no matter where I went. And it was never, ever because I cared about being at the top. It was always because who can I help? How can I help them? And, you know, listening to them. And I made a lot of friends along the way. Some of them bought from me. Some of them didn't because it wasn't the right thing. And that was okay. I also learned there is such a thing as a bad customer. Yes. And so I learned that very early on. We call them vampires, you know, energy drainers. Um, I won't take an energy drainer for a client. If you are uh, the personality type that relates to Eeyore, we are not a good fit because although I will bring you up, you will drain me from being able to serve my other clients at my highest and best. And this is a very sensitive world and there are feelings involved and there are hard truths and ways that we have to look at ourselves to be able to get successful. And I need to have all of my best energy for my clients to be able to, to, to pull them up. My clients describe me as radically encouraging, radically encouraging. And I think that is amazing. Um, and I want to stay there. So there are certain clients I can't take on based on their, uh, they haven't done the work yet to take 100% responsibility for their success. When so they do that. To finding people who are like ready to go. Right. They're mm -hmm. looking, for, you're looking for them. You're already a match. There's some pre-qualifiers that have taken place because of life experiences so that when you meet, it is perfect timing and there's no need to live in the scarcity of beggars can't be choosers. Like you absolutely can choose. And if you choose clients that are better suited, you will probably remove a lot of hard lessons that you don't, well, you know, we have to learn what we have to learn, but you can also learn from other people's mistakes and, you know, kind of uh, speed up the process for yourself a little bit. Absolutely. So the, I think it's an attitude. It's an attitude that I'm looking for with a client match. Yeah. And if they complain about everybody else in their life and they complain and complain and complain, they just haven't gotten to the place where they're ready to succeed. And I am not a therapist, so they need to go take care of that somewhere else. Yeah. I can help people who need the encouragement and who need somebody to, I call it, tell the truth in bubble wrap. Okay. <laughs> because they yeah. need a soft delivery yeah. of what they need to hear. For example, I have a client right now. She's in the middle of a launch and it's her very first one. She's been going strong for a year and she's made a couple hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. We made her a few thousand dollars in a day. Mm -hmm. And she just launched a membership because that was the easiest thing for her personality, for her clients. We put ourselves, where do they need you? How do they need you to show up? And we created an offer around that. And then every week 
we have worked on her mindset and we have worked on her skill set and we have worked on getting her out of the equation and keeping them at the center. And she doesn't do it on purpose. It's normal human nature to think, um, well, I don't like yesterday. She said to me, well, I don't like asking questions because it feels pushy. Mm. And I said, how do you know how to help them? at their core, especially if they're like you and they won't be forthcoming. If you don't ask the right questions, how will they ever get the help that they're really seeking? Mm -hmm. And she said, God, I love that you're my coach. And I said, well, I love that you're my client because we're learning a lot about each other here. So anyway, all of a sudden she texted me last night and she showed, she she screenshotted the picture of the money that she had made. And she said, I'm depositing money in my account. <laughs> she was just thrilled. And it was wonderful to see her. But it's, I, so when I tell you about the, um, the limiting beliefs exist, but it's the attitude. We just can't be in this place where I, I can't help anybody. People don't want to work with me because of this. We have to be able, you have to say, I can help people. And I just need to learn the steps. That's an attitude I can work with. But if you have this, this, draining negative stuff going on that you haven't dealt with yet. You need to figure that out first. But what I want to tell you happened is and to me, because we were going back to this whole, like what happens? Mm-hmm. So yes, there were things that came really easily to me mm-hmm. as many things had in my whole life. Mm-hmm. I launched my podcast and I got after five episodes, I think it was five. I got a notice from Apple that said I was trending on their top 200 entrepreneur. And I didn't put another one out. I had a fear of success, which I was really unsure about how to deal with. And I tell you that because you ask, what did I deal with? So there were, this was, this was something that I never realized. And I had to stop and I had to take a break. Like I started to get anxious. Like, how will I keep up with that now that they've put me there? And I never, I never rank myself. I'm not looking at where I am next to another coach. I'm not comparing myself to somebody else. I'm saying, how did Yvonne show up today? How can she do it a little bit better? What did she learn today? And I'm saying, okay. And I'm looking, I never look to make a hundred thousand dollars. I look to make a thousand and then two and then four and then six. And I look to say like, but I've always equated what is the value I'm putting out there? How is that coming back to people? So I try to put value into the world and that's what pays me back. Right. So, and it's a big lesson, right? And a lot of my clients are really big on value. That's our, that's our core connection. They are, they're putting out so much value, but they're not getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. So my job is to teach them how to get paid for it. That's where I come in. I can help you get paid for it too. So that's, and it's so exciting. It's like, I equate it to my, um, my real estate days when I would help a first time buyer versus mm-hmm. somebody buying their third home, Right. There's just so much excitement when that light goes off, when you go, I'm getting, I get it. I get it all like this. And then they say, they come back and go, you were on my shoulder. You were right there talking to me. I could hear your voice in my head. I say, all right, we're making some progress here. And what I'm teaching them, my goal is that they fly and they take this information and I do things to make sure they're getting it. But for so that's my dopamine hit is doing good for others. I love that. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, when they put this, you're trending in the top 200, congratulations, post, you know, do this, do that. And I, was, <gasps> I got, I lost my voice. Yeah. I lost my voice because I thought, now what? Like, now do I, is that a responsibility? I need, like, it just put this pressure on me and it took away my fun in sharing this, this stuff with people and it became pressure. Mm-hmm. And so... Two of the lessons I had to learn for myself were grace is my number one friend. Yeah. I grace starts with me for me. Yeah. And so I took a break and said, okay, let's figure this out. Let's work through that. And why do you think that was coming up? Well, the little girl who got all the straight A's, the young woman who went into sales and started hitting every quota and blowing quotas out, she was not used to having pressure. She just was doing her thing. When I started my business, my husband said, it's a no brainer. 
You're, it's a no-brainer. Everybody says, oh, you're so lucky. My husband said, how are you going to make money? How much is this going to cost me? Yeah. Yeah. But it's a different pressure. It's a different pressure because the fear of failure is so huge. And it had never really been there for me because I was just out there helping people. And then all of a sudden I'm on my own and everybody says I can't fail. And then I have a bad month. And I'm fear of judgment. And that shut me down. It shut me down from my podcast. It shut me down from um, posting on Instagram for quite a while. It shut me down. Uh, I just stayed in the zone of helping the clients that I had. I didn't even prospect for more for a while, which is a number one no-no in sales. You never stop prospecting. And this girl knows it, but she took a break. Yeah. And she said, let me get things right. Recalibrate. Most, pardon me? Had to recalibrate, right? I mean, it's a new adventure. Even though you come with this incredible platform, it's a whole new adventure. And this is um, like the emotional side, the personal side, the self-exploration of who am I when this happens and not losing touch with your overall un undeniable, complete deserving worthiness that exists regardless of any of those other things all the time. And anchoring but, the good, but the good thing that happened is that I've been giving myself grace and I've been saying it's all okay. And what did I learn? And I'm always asking, what did I learn? And then what happened was because I was taking that break from um, social media and I just said, okay, I'm just going to concentrate on my clients. I kept a notebook. This is something I think is genius, but I kept a notebook of every client that I've ever had and all the questions that they ask. So a lot of people just record the meeting and go on, but I keep my notes. So what questions did they ask me? And so that became the, the way that I was really developing my own voice is looking back and saying, what do I, what do I answer most often? What feelings do I help them overcome most often? And so now I have this really clear picture of who I help, how I help them, who I want to help and why they should choose me. And that is really, that has been a bonus that came out of it. But in the middle of all of this, okay, my husband lost his job. We lived a mile from the beach. My business was, I was only charging $1,200 when this happened. Nobody, I wasn't going to be replacing two incomes on $1,200 offers. And I didn't have the confidence yet to say, okay, they should be paying me 5000 because my confidence, as much as I know I can help, I didn't know who and how and why me yet because I was still in the first four months of my business. And we made a decision to move from our dream home and take get something much smaller and that I could afford to pay the bills on with my little $1,200 offers. And then, of course, I was raising the price as I went and still going out and prospecting and um, meeting new people. But, um, that was a huge hit. I went a year without eating out. Like we love to eat out. That's like, that's so we love doing that. We yeah. didn't do it. We, um, I went a year with living in all of my old clothes. I didn't go buy myself a new shirt. I didn't buy myself. I said, nope. I mean, I'm paying the bills and I don't want to go back to work for corporate. I don't want to travel. I don't want somebody else telling me about how many days of vacation I can have. And I'm building my business and I teach my clients to do this to be my dream hours. So it might take me longer to get all the way where I want to go, but I'm living my life and enjoying it. So I don't work Mondays and Fridays except for my creative tower time. And then I have flex time that I can see a client if they're making up for something. So otherwise, my Mondays and Fridays are pretty clear. So I can be creative. I can take extra walks. I worked six, seven days a week for almost 30 years. I worked 12, 13, 14 hours a day a lot of times. Um, I would say that um, I, I just didn't lose touch of my why. So now I see all of my clients. Well, I have one on a month, uh, one every other week on a Monday because she's a renewal that I've been with for two years. And I have one on a Friday morning at 8 a.m. once a month. And she's a ma she's in maintenance with me now. And w those are my only appointments. Otherwise, I see all of my other 11 clients Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Yeah. So it's a busy Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. But I'm building it where I have Friday afternoons off and Monday mornings off mm. all the time yeah. and weekends. Yeah. I didn't 
I didn't even put my um, email on my phone mm -hmm. so that I couldn't get all caught up in that. Because but you can plug because yeah, with with social media and and the marketing and all this instantaneous response of things, um, it's so important to set some boundaries around leaving the business and even in startup phase to give yourself time. So like I'm working full time, I'm launching my company, I'm, you know, still kind of living a recreational life. And I need, I've learned over the last few years to bring balance to that and to like open and relax into it rather than um, hold on to the pressure and, and the stress of trying to do it all. Because I can serve better when I'm more whole, when I'm more satiated. And I have a lot of creativity, even though I'm kind of more on the analytical side. I actually have discovered in recent years I'm very creative. And that needs time and space to come out. And that offers um, new products and services and ways to deliver my business model to people. And so it's important to create time for that instead of just, you know, at startup, we're looking for clients and money, clients and money, clients and money. And if you only focus on that, when you're building the foundation of your business, where do you go from there? How else do you actually create something that I like to say you could one day sell? You know, if you were to sell this, what would it be? It can't just be everything you you need to create a separate entity you're birthing something for the fun of birthing it which you talk a lot about and and have a bit of a bigger vision and detach yourself from it you can be you know creating and even developing the curriculum and everything like that but you should have a bit of separation for self-preservation so that you're not tying your worthiness up into it um, and that you can go on vacation and, you know, unplug a little bit once in a while that it's, it's not like a newborn that's solely dependent on you and you alone. That's not a, well, it is in the beginning though. It is in the beginning. It is solely dependent on you. You, I mean, unless you're coming into it with a ton of money and you have VAs and you have other things, but that's where grace comes in. You have to say boundaries yeah. and grace, right? You have to be able to say, okay, but this is okay. Yeah. This is okay. And give yourself yeah. time to to grow that capacity. You know, when you said you had 23 clients in the first four months or whatever, I was like, oh my God, how, how can you manage that? And you, my my services have been very one-to-one -one, and now I'm offering them pre-recorded and, and looking to do in groups and things like that so that I can leverage my time a little bit more, um, but still show up in full service and, but not be doing it at, you know, until midnight every day. Right. So yeah. Yeah. now remember my husband lost his job. Yeah. So I was, I was, I got myself into hustle culture for a minute because I needed that money to be able to live. Right. Otherwise we were going to be dipping into our savings and we're in our fifties and you turn 50 and you start a business. You can't really take everything from your retirement. Right. I mean, that's not a smart thing to do either. So it was, you know, kill what you eat around here. And so I was just going for it. And the form that I was collecting, you're like, it's a choice by choice by choice. And, and you have really mastered this skill of, um, you know, what, if I make this choice, what does it lead to? If I make this choice, where, where is the win? And how can I turn this into something that's aligned and um, fills or fits in my greater vision of my life, right? And so like selling the house is a huge example of that instead of, um, the other outcomes and pressures that you might have felt that way. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. a, a, a beautiful um, foundation to have to go into the, you know, starting your company and, and scaling it. And I would say to uh, somebody who's, you know, really starting out, keep that in mind and not from a oh, too many choices, but from just sort of sitting in and thinking about something before pulling the trigger, just really taking a minute to chew on it and, you know, um, predict a few different outcomes and make a, a less rushed decision 
pick a less rush choice uh, that's anchored into the bigger vision? Actually, I would say that the way that I I use um, my choices are like contingencies and sales. You think about a contingency. What do I do if this happens? What do I do if that happens? Right. And so part of the sales process that I teach is we're always thinking about what, what might the client go through? What might something that come up that comes up, whether it's a third party influence and their husband saying, this is ridiculous. You're spending all this money. When are we going to see the money back? It could be that it, you're spending, um, uh, your time in the wrong places and you, you're you not getting your mindset around where you really need to be. And so what happens if they they fall into this stumbling block? So I did the, my move in the same way that I would do a contingency in thinking about a client, right? What, uh, I would say, okay, um, what is the best possible outcome if I do this? What is the best possible outcome? I wasn't looking at the worst possible outcomes. The best possible outcome is that I'm saving, I'm making money, sooner, I'm less stressed, and I am going to be able to move back into a better dream house the next time, right? And so I just am thinking about the positive outcome that will happen. And the number one thing for me in that situation of selling the house, we were two blocks from the beach, honestly, it was, it was less than a 10 minute walk. And um, God, did I love it. It was on Amelia Island, amazing little uh, sleepy town that is just got everything in the world you ever need. Or want. In fact, I rarely left the island and we had a saying about um, over the bridge. Oh, I don't know if I want to go OTB. Yeah. They don't want to go over the bridge. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like going OTB. Let's stay here. Like you, we just had everything we needed. But um, so leaving that is was not going to be easy, but I had to focus on the positive. And the positive was that I wasn't going to be worried that every month I was writing a check out on my savings account to stay there every month. My kids were still in their last year of college. Mm -hmm. I had a son at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. And if he needed help with things, we needed to be able to do that, right? Our daughter was in her last year of a program um, in Houston. She was on a scholarship, but if some things came up, we, we would need to be there for her. Um, so leaving the house was, was a big thing. My husband losing his job and having depression over that big thing and it's really hard when you're me and you're a positive person and the person that you spend the most amount of time with in the world who is now home way more than you want way more <laughs> way more you you just are like i need a break and you're trying to create this world and so the only way I can get through it is to focus on a positive outcome. Yeah. And the, the net, if I would have let myself think, and I did, I had a few crying moments. I'm not going to lie. There's always a moment where um, when we first moved, we moved an hour and 10 minutes away um, because that's where we could get the most affordable bang for yeah. our buck. And so we don't go to the beach as often. And I was at the beach every day walking my dog on the beach. And I would say my prayers on that beach. And I would be in gratitude and stretch and say, oh, this is like, thank you so much, Lord, for this beautiful day that I can go back and celebrate and bring this energy to my clients, right? And so I still take a walk every day, but it's around a neighborhood. They're cookie cutter houses. It's not nearly the same. And, but I found some water to walk near here. But anyway, I had a few teary moments and I did, especially with seeing my husband go through so much um, self-loathing, honestly, like how did this happen? And, you know, this is, you know, it's really tough for a man who, who has been successful and then it's the, and then nobody's hiring and we had the COVID and all the things that were going on. And, um, and, and honestly, they don't want to pay the top salaries anymore, right? They say, Oh, let's see if we can just put somebody in here and make do and pay them half as much. And, um, it becomes a little bit of, um, self-esteem hit. Mm -hmm. And so I've got him there I'm in this house. that's much tinier and way far away from where we want it to be. And, um, I'm hitting this wall with um, this fear of success or whatever you want to call it. The fear of judgment, I think is judgment is probably more like all the people who knew me for being so successful my whole life. Yeah. Were they going to see me? Were they going to see me fail? And could I deal with that? Yeah. 
could I deal with it? And then, you know, you start helping and you do all the things. You stay in the role and you you get another client and you get another client. And sometimes it's your clients who are pulling you out and they don't even know it. And for me, the last, I have, I have amazing clients. I I've never lost. Nobody's um, not paid. No one has um, left with a bad taste in it. We've, we've all, I've, I've just had an amazing experience with my clients, but um, the last two clients that I took on in November, Mm-hmm. I met both of them online. And before I met them, I was having a lot more of my clients for this um, net, meeting at networking meetings and helping them. And then I took on another brick and mortar business here and was working with her. And these three clients shed so much clarity mm-hmm. on who I helped, how I helped them. And why me? The where they fall on the disc profile is almost exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And then I went back and looked at the disc profile because I do this personality assessment with all my clients before week one because yeah. when I I can help them. Yeah. Remember I said earlier that I deliver the hard news in bubble wrap. Yep. So. Um, you want to know what they're like, right? So that you can do it in the right, so you can communicate with them. Initially, I was doing it not to see if they were a good fit for me, but to see how I would help them understand who they are and how they could overcome some of the things that they were thinking about. The thing with an S personality is they really like being supportive and not a leader. But if you're going to sell in your business, you need to be a leader. And so anyway, those three clients... They they started to outline uh, for me that my my it was as if I was finally willing to see it all, mm-hmm. and the clarity has just come. So I've hired a um, my first virtual assistant, and many people in our business outside of them outside of the country, and I did that once, and I didn't like the experience, and so I'm paying top boat for somebody is a U.S. Uh, based and I feel like she understands everything I'm saying and we have a similar background and culture so she really gets me and so if I'm going to pay somebody to help spread my message we're going to just pay somebody who gets me not that I have to stop and explain everything to um, so anyway it's been the most brilliant last three months for me because um they reminded me mm-hmm. what what I'm doing. Yeah, so I love that, and and and, and it's it will come back if you just keep doing the things that you have to do. There are mm-hmm. days just like when you get married, mm-hmm. when you're first in love with somebody, the newness of that it's so amazing, right? Your whole body feels different. Mm-hmm. You're elated. That's what it feels like for some of my clients the first time they get a sale, the first time it works, the first time they're like, yes, this is working. Yeah. But the 10th time you do it, it feels automatic. Yeah. It feels automatic. And then something comes along and you um, you really tap into where you're really able to help somebody. And then it happened three times in the same span of time. And I know God knows me well enough to know he had to you know, drop some bricks on me because I was in resistance and, you know, he said, here, do it in threes. You got three of them. And they've just shown me, um, incredibly, um, how I help them and what my value is to them. And so then that brought me back around and, you know, it's corny and it's out there everywhere, but we all have a light to shine. We all have a light to shine. That's the reason that we felt compelled to start a business in the first place. And I'm pretty good at shining my light most of the time. But all of us can get into um, a routine or a rut. And so I just am so thankful for these um, these last three clients, all from the online world that have brought me to this place of actually what they did is they shone light on the other clients that have been with me for so long 
and reminded me that's who I help best. So it's been, it's been wonderful. And so now the fear of judgment is wearing off because I stuck with it and now I'm ready to come back. And so there's a lot of great things on the horizon. I can see it. I can see it beaming from you and from your heart, the beautiful energy that you carry around. Yvonne, this is an absolute pleasure. There's been so many gold nuggets in this conversation and you obviously have a lot of expertise in this, this real strong ownership of what you're here to do. And I love that embodiment. It's very encouraging and um, a good reminder that, you know, even if we haven't quite figured things out yet, there's, that's not a problem because life is always going to life on you and just keep revisiting and going within to, with faith and self and, and, you know, the vision of how this is all part of such a bigger picture. It's not just any one moment. It's all of the moments and they, they ebb and flow and they change and they always bring new opportunities. So choose to see the good in them. That's just fantastic. I'm so grateful that um, we had this conversation and to your willingness to come on and, and share your story and your wisdom. And um, I look forward to staying connected with you and helping promote and and see where it goes and maybe we can connect in a year's time to see um you know what's changed from now till yes okay sounds good super thank you thank Thank you you. take care Bye. bye